This episode of the No Bad Food Podcast is brought to you in part by PastaFest MTL. PastaFest is a celebration of pasta and all things pasta here in Montreal. It's going on from now until the 24th of May, so you still have a little bit of time left if you want to go get yourself some delicious food. Highly recommend doing that, checking out their website at pastafestmtl.com and seeing which restaurants in the city are participating. If you need a more direct recommendation, come by Pasta Casareccia and NDG. You'll see me there making sandwiches and hanging out. And if you order a sandwich, it'll probably be me who makes it for you. But it's not Sandwich Fest, folks. It's Pasta Fest. So maybe order pasta instead or get both. You know, you can get some delicious pasta and get a sandwich made by me in the same meal. Cover your table in delicious food. Pasta Fest. For more information about Pasta Fest, go to pastafestmtl.com. All right, cue the music. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Before we dig in, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. So folks... Today, May 15th, is the start of International Pickle Week. So I thought, you know, when better than International Pickle Week to celebrate the pickle, to release an episode about pickles? I don't know about you, but I am a big pickle fan, always have been, always will be. Uh, So I decided I should talk to an equally large pickle fan. Equally large uh, is a weird way to phrase that, except that Greg and I are about the same size as human beings, and also we are both equally big fans of pickles. Uh, So you will be hearing a conversation between me and Greg Schultz in a little bit. But before we get into that, I want to give you a little bit of an intro to the pickle. So pickles have a rich history that can be traced back thousands of years to ancient civilizations like Egypt and Mesopotamia as far back as 2400 BCE. Honestly, probably even earlier. It's just, you know, we don't have a ton of records from long before that because writing and and conservation of things is, is not, you know, the oldest concept in the world. At any rate, these early cultures used pickling as a method of preserving food like we do, which, as I'm sure you know, was really important in times of scarcity and war, which were both things that these ancient civilizations were like all too familiar with, right? So pickling helped to prevent spoilage and also allowed people to store food for long periods of time, which, uh, you know, when you're when you're a society that's just kind of recently discovered agriculture, it's ideal to find ways to preserve those things because you're still not really sure like how soon you're going to get the next crop of food to come up. Obviously, the change and sometimes improvement in flavor was an added bonus of these things, but primarily pickling was used just for its like preservative benefits at the beginning. 
As time went on, pickling started to pop up in other parts of the world, including in Eastern Europe, where it became a popular method of preserving vegetables and meats, too, especially through the cold winter months when fresh produce was just less accessible. In particular, Jewish communities in Europe really got into the tradition of pickling, so much so that it became an important part of Jewish culinary culture as it continues to be today. When Jewish immigrants started coming to North America in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, they brought their love of pickles with them. In fact, many Jewish immigrants established thriving pickle businesses in cities like New York, where the Lower East Side became known for its pickle vendors. Every time I think about pickles, I come back to this quote from 97 Orchard by Jane Ziegelman. So for some context, this quote is about the first experience of an American woman who I believe was a journalist, or if not a journalist, then was just spoken to by a newspaper for, you know, a testimonial uh, of her first experience in New York's Lower East Side Jewish food communities. So here we go. Among the foods that Miss Wood, our American in question, objected to most was a much-loved Jewish staple, the pickle. Perhaps no other people, would observed, have so many sours as the Jews. In the Jewish sections of our large cities, there are storekeepers whose only goods are pickles. They have cabbages pickled whole, shredded or chopped and rolled in leaves, peppers pickled, and string beans, cucumbers, sour, half-sour, and salted, beets, and many kinds of meat and fish. This excessive use of pickled foods destroys the taste for milder flavors, causes irritation, and renders assimilation more difficult. More alarming still was the pickle habit among Jewish school kids who spent their lunch money on pickles and nothing else. Their appetites ruined for more appropriate foods like milk and crackers. The taste of the standard Jewish pickle was so aggressive, so briny, garlicky, and sour, and so foreign to the native palate that Americans like Miss Wood wondered how anyone, children especially, could eat them by choice. Instead, they saw pickle eating as a kind of compulsion. The undernourished child was drawn to pickles the same way an adult was drawn to alcohol. More than a food, the pickle was a kind of drug for tenement children who were still too young for whiskey. I just always think it's really funny to see the, like, initial reactions to foods that were foreign to people at the time, and, like, how those things can be so blown out of proportion, right? Like, when we think about our relationship to food today, it's rare that we see something from another food culture that's unfamiliar to us and react in such a visceral way to it, right? Like, sometimes we'll be like, ooh, that's not for me, but to go on a whole diatribe about how, like, this is ruining your ability to assimilate. I guess, actually, probably there's still a fair amount of that being done in some more conservative circles. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong here. But I, there's something about seeing it with regard to something that we've come to know and love in our modern-day context, like the pickle, and, and hearing those initial reactions to it being such a, like, flooring, terrible thing. I don't know. There, there's something kind of fun about that in a... In a in like a uh, look at this uncultured lady way. Anyway, in addition to the influence of Jewish culture, pickling also started to become popular in the United States just because of the country's agricultural abundance. There were so many vegetables and fruits being harvested year-round and being made available that Americans had to start to experiment with pickling and preservation on a larger scale. So it became more and more popular and, you know, people like Miss Wood started to shut up and realize that pickles were delicious and not that weird. Pickling also has a long and storied history in Asia, of course, where it's been used to preserve a wide variety of foods from vegetables and fruits to fish and meat. If you've ever been to an Indian restaurant, there's a solid chance you've experienced Indian pickles, which is to say you've probably stared in wide-eyed wonder at a vast array of pickled dishes served alongside your meal. Like a like a cornucopia of crunchy, tangy treats. I, I personally am a big fan of the Indian pickle, and I feel like we could do a whole episode like dedicated to that as like a concept and, and all the sort of little varieties that exist there. Because like you can sit down at a table at an Indian restaurant and have like a whole like two or three mains and then like 30 kinds of pickles 
placed on the table. And like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like this is, this is a serious, crazy, awesome thing uh, that I feel like we could get into in a deeper way sometime. But today we are primarily talking about your kind of crunchy cucumber pickles and uh, all the varieties thereof. So whether you like them sweet, sour, or spicy, whether you're putting them on a sandwich or crunching right into them, there is a pickle for every season and a time for every pickle under the heavens. And that is a beautiful thing. Our guest this week is longtime friend of the show, Greg Schultz. Greg is one of the hosts of Left Trigger, Right Trigger, the video game book club podcast, and voices Illoween on the Once and Future Nerd. Greg is also a vegan, which I'm going to tell you now so that he doesn't have to tell you about it later. Greg, thank you so much for joining us on Nomad Food. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about pickles. Yeah, tell me about your pickles. I I, I love pickles. Um, it's kind of a ongoing it's it's actually a bit of a family tradition to love pickles as <laughs> someone in my family because basically me and my siblings all at a certain point were given a pickle when we were young took a bite immediately made the like oh sour oh god face and then went back for more sure like every single one of us did it uh taking that from just the you know uh, that was probably like a baby gherkin that was given to us, chopped up and given to us to then explore the wide variety of the different cultural uh, pickled foods. Um, it's been fun to do throughout life. So, yeah. Yeah, I get that. I feel like the the like quintessential first pickle like sour face experience is such a universal thing, right? Like everybody has that moment where they eat something pickled for the first time. And like, it opens your your mouth up a little bit i think uh, like not literally like maybe literally but like in a in a metaphorical way it like activates your taste buds right yeah it like it brings your taste buds certain taste buds in an area of your tongue to life this is getting a little raunchy but you know that's fine that's what we're here to do um but yeah there's certain areas like it just kind of pickles hit different they they bring there there is obviously the like vinegary flavor and such um and a lot of in, uh, what i would say in, industrialized pickle products in uh probably uh, the the north america well actually no definitely the us i don't know mm-hmm. as much about canada i can't really speak to it but it, it tends to get a little sweeter for sure, sure. Uh, like sweet relish and like um the, the bread and butter pickles of the world that you'll often see be sliced thin for, or like pre-done to be sliced thin for um, sandwiches and such like that. Mm-hmm. Um, those to me are a little too sweet. I like to get that like salty crunch, but uh, in the right context, there actually can be a delight. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think for me with the, the bread and butter pickle, like I like them when I know that that's what I'm getting. Yeah. I wouldn't be happy if I like bit into one expecting a normal pickle you know yeah like a dill or a half sour or something yeah exactly oh yeah because then you have yeah then you don't get that like the sour grimace of the first pickle you get the whoa like the 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 eye eyebrows all the way up and like your face feels like it's extending vertically like whoo okay um yeah yeah exactly i don't want my face extending vertically when i ate a pickle yeah my face is already tall enough. I don't need it to get any taller. Please. Please, people, stop. Please stop giving me sweet pickles when I don't expect it. Stop stretching. My face Greg's can only face. go so tall. He's gonna look like Big Head. No, what's that what's the oh boy. What's that movie about the supervillain, the DreamWorks movie? Big Head? Oh, Megamind? That's the one. <laughs> 
Why do I have that in my brain? Oh no! It's because it's a mega mind. Oh no! Yeah, I um, I was thinking about this. Like, I was thinking about why vinegar, you know, which is like one of the the more common things to have pickles, Brandon. Right? Why that hits so hard, especially the first time we eat it. And I learned a couple things while thinking about this and researching this. And one is that our taste buds are like never more like powerful and good at being taste buds than when we're small children which is why kids tend to be picky eaters because they taste in a more profound way than adults do and it's also why older people tend to want like bolder flavors on their stuff or like add hot sauce to things a little Mm -hmm. bit more liberally because they need to in order to taste it so that's interesting and and raises the question of like do people who are old end up with problems linked to like salt consumption because they have too much salt throughout their lifetime or is it just that like as you get older you want more salt on things so you can taste them more and that leads to those issues right like that i'd be curious to see a study about that um but yeah vinegar just like salt can bring out the flavor that's in stuff and and i was wondering like why you know why does it do Mm -hmm. that and it's it's a simple answer it's because it's an acid and acid just does that to food right it's another one of those things that brings out a fuller flavor in things it's not without its own flavor as well right and so you've got to yeah. you've got to know like <laughs> you've got to know how to use it in a way that doesn't overpower the thing yeah you have to balance the while you're in the, in the case of when you're ever making a dish or anything like that then you have to balance the flavor and just knowing that you already have the kind of acid built in from the vinegar, you just need to balance, continue to balance that more. Um, and Eric, take that into, take that into account and, and balance for that as well. Cause then you can also, you know, you, you mentioned some of the, the different things that you can pickle with, but like even just the difference between like, I don't know, uh, going between like white vinegar and an apple cider vinegar, right. whereas the apple cider is going to bring like a little sweetness and the white vinegar is just going to be like, the blast of acid um, that it, making sure you have the right ratios and things like that um, is definitely it's it's a different way of cooking because I, like you said like when you're cooking with an you're basically cooking with the acid yeah um, uh, so and it's just a different process and it just takes time to get used to so uh, what I would say is that if you've ever had a, a, a pickle mistake when <laughs> trying to make a pickle <laughs> um, Keep at it. Keep trying. Learn. Try to try to learn from those mistakes, and and then keep going. Yeah, um, I think ideally, like that should be our approach to all things with food, right? It's like, yeah, if it doesn't work the first time, that doesn't mean it's not worth doing. Yep. Especially, especially if you like, oh, yeah, if you're trying something for the first time and you're just like, this isn't for me. It's like, well, there's a lot of different things that could go into why that is, mm-hmm. and um, I I think trying it again in a different context if that means like from a different location or prepared in a different way or honestly served with other food with different foods Mm. and things like that um those can all be reasons to like they can have an impact on how you're enjoying that food plus it it can get completely like just in how it gets prepared it can be have a completely different impact on you so yeah yeah exactly and and that's kind of the thesis of this show right is that like we say there's no bad food we don't mean that there's no food that tastes bad we don't mean that there's no food that has gone bad what we mean is that like with the exception of foods that are literally going to poison you or or that don't you know taste or feel good going into your mouth and therefore you don't want to eat like 
there's no there's no morally bad food there's no food that is like bad across the board and if you have a bad experience with a food that's still a valid thing but it doesn't mean you should write that entire food off right like if i i don't like truffle i have tried i try truffle (laughs) i work i work in an italian restaurant there is truffle around me at various points in my in my week and like I've had countless opportunities to try truffle things, and despite the fact that I've never enjoyed the taste of truffle, I still try every new truffle that is brought mm-hmm. to me, right? If someone brings me a chip that tastes like truffle, I'm like, all right, I'll, t- I'll try the truffle chip. If someone brings me, uh, like, a-, a sauce with truffle in it, I'll try the truffle sauce. And I still don't like it, and I'm, tr- I'm trying. I really would like to understand truffle. <laughs> I would really like <laughs> to find a truffle use that I enjoy, just so that I can be like, yes, I have enjoyed truffle. But so far, it's uh, it's a lot of no for me, and and that yeah. doesn't mean truffle is bad. Certainly, like I understand no. the appeal, it just it hasn't clicked for me yet. And like I think yep. anything can be that way for anybody. You know, you just you've got to you got to keep trying. <laughs> you got to keep giving it a shot, or or at least recognize that it's like this, just because this isn't for me doesn't make it bad necessarily and yeah that kind of thing um i think i i do the same thing with um tomato like raw tomatoes okay where i used to eat raw cherry tomatoes out of the garden and mm-hmm. then at one point i was like no these are gross and mm-hmm. then like i haven't been able to eat like i just i i try them and like i it it it's not great for me <laughs> sure but i still try them like almost every six months or so <laughs> i will try a tomato just to be like Maybe maybe it's gone. Maybe I like them now. And right. Nope. Okay. Uh, all right. I'll try it again later. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. Like, I, I like. I get. I kind of get how it would be placed within a food and like within a dish, and 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 I understand how that balances out and all that stuff. But it's like I don't. That one isn't for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's well, it's, it's interesting with cherry tomatoes because I feel like. I've had this experience before of like eating a cherry tomato and it being a bad cherry tomato. And like, mm. whether that's just cause it's like not quite ripe or cause it's too ripe. So it's got like a weird textural thing going on or you bite into it and you're just like, Oh, the flavor today is a little off. Like I don't like the way this one tastes. And like, I've had, I've had whole batches of cherry tomatoes like that where I'm like, I don't think these are like, you know, gone off or anything. I think I'm just not enjoying them today. And mm. I think there's there's something valid to that, right? Like sometimes, sometimes our mouths don't want the thing. And that doesn't mean the thing is bad. Like I I had <laughs> I had an experience once where I ate a shrimp and it just tasted a little weird to me. And since yeah. then I've had shrimp, you know, that has tasted the same as that. And I've since identified what that flavor is. And it's just like, oh yeah, like sometimes shrimp just has that like slight funk to it, right? But the first time I experienced that, it was so off-putting that I didn't eat shrimp for like five years. And I was like, oh no, like shrimp's really good. I, I wanted yeah. shrimp after that, but it was just like, I couldn't get past that, you know? Yeah. You can't not associate that with the off taste that you had kind of yeah. thing. The, the, one, the one that happens to me now every once in a while is coleslaw, where like mm. 90% of the time I really like coleslaw. Every once in a while... It'll taste a little horsey. And I don't mean it'll yeah. taste like cooked horse. It'll taste like 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 I get like the same experience from eating it that I get from inhaling that one week in the spring where all the farms are starting to put their their manure out and it drifts yep. in from the east, you know? And like mm-hmm. and I don't enjoy that batch of coleslaw. And I'm like, okay, th- this is a bad this is not good for me today. Like I don't I don't like this. 
but I still get coleslaw like a week later and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't I guess I guess my long-winded point here is like I think we need to challenge ourselves to always have the same attitude about things we haven't liked yet that we have about things that we usually like but didn't last time. Mm-hmm. We need to always yeah. be open with food to trying it again just in case. Even mm-hmm. if it consistently disappoints us, even if it consistently tastes gross to us, I think there's something there's something good about the practice of of letting ourselves experience that. Yep. Yeah. And just being open to I think it's almost like being mindful of what the experience is in the now and how you're feeling about it uh, versus just being like having the set mindset of like, I know I don't like that. So I'm not going to like it when I eat it. It's like, no, (laughs) I'm going to set that aside, but I'm going to see how it hits me this time. And context can play in like history and stuff can play into it, but it does not define how I feel about it right now. Yeah. Um, Exactly. Like we we need to treat food almost like we treat like relationships with people, right? Where like you're not always what? Gonna, like <laughs> you're not always going to get along with every single person, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people are worth writing off as a whole, right? And it doesn't mean yeah. that like you know one bad experience with a friend means that person's not your friend anymore. It also doesn't mean that it's not worth trying to reconcile with people who have stopped being friends. You know, like it's it's worth like practicing this with food, I think, can be a safe gateway into practicing this in other areas of our lives that feel mm-hmm. like they matter more. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> food is relatively low stakes. Which sometimes. is funny because it's how we fuel our bodies yeah (laughs) (laughs) but but emotionally it's relatively emotionally yes yeah and and i think that makes a difference i don't know yeah absolutely coming back to the pickles of it you mentioned when i put it out there to our discord server that people can become part of by joining our patreon at patreon.com slash no bad food pod that we were looking for a guest to talk about pickles you said that you had been informed you'd be doing your family a dishonor if you didn't yell about pickles into a microphone um yes. you, you want to go into that a bit more why why does your family feel so strongly about pickles my family is just a big supporter of pickles i don't know exactly where this came from other than just um like even when all so i have, I have three siblings and even when all four of us might disagree on something we always have pickles to come back to weirdly like that's the thing mm. um and like it's even to i don't know how much of a joke it is but there is a certain amount of like yeah anyone anyone's gonna date should probably be cool with pickles because like (laughs) they're gonna come up and we also had like any family gathering of my immediate family involves pickles of some kind um including like thanksgiving and like christmas dinners Mm. which i didn't realize wasn't normal for everyone until uh later when i would be like oh where are the where are the pick do you guys not do pickles and they're like pickles what are you talking about why would we have pickles at thanksgiving or christmas i was like because because you just have pickles i don't understand <laughs> like because it was just like uh uh it was a thing that we always had so um and even then to the point of like uh going into other uh cultures specifically like i think kimchi and uh, escabeche are are things that 
we would gravitate to and be like, you have to try this. This is like, you should give this a shot. Like, do you like pickles things? No. Well, do you like carrots? Well, try them with like, it's basically like they're pre-dressed. Go for it. It's Escabeche. Go for it. Right. God, there's a place, there's a place um, in the town where I went to college that had, it had like a full authentic Mexican food restaurant. And then I had a, cantina on the side that you could walk up and order a burrito sure and they had escabeche in like a giant vat next to where the the reg like the the walk-up stand or whatever mm-hmm. and so you could like for free if you order a burrito you could fill up like a little one of those little tubs and bring it with you or just eat it right there right. and i would fill up like three or four each time <laughs> and like stuff extra tiff tip money in to be like i'm eating the crap out of this this is mostly why i'm getting the burrito is for this stuff um so yeah i don't know it's just like it's always something that like no we like pickles Mm -hmm. and everyone's gonna know about it (laughs) and we're 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 pickle pushers so yeah i like that yeah i mean it's funny like i i hadn't really thought about my family's relationship to pickles in in as intentional way before but like we i think similarly like i can't think of a time that there are not pickles present in some form when my family eats food you know like whether it's Mm -hmm. like my grandma always has you know some kind of pickle like you know jarred pickles in the fridge sure but she'll do like a pickled salad as well you know pickled cucumber um Mm -hmm. thin sliced pickled cucumbers right just in vinegar right before the meal kind of thing like a quick pickle but a cold quick pickle i don't know uh or like you know yeah growing up that was what my mom did for for holidays too we would have like several little pickle dishes on the table with like your sweet pickles and your dill pickles and your garlic pickles and the little pickled onions too right yeah we did the the sweet pickle mix which was like yeah those pickle slices with the little uh pearl onions and sometimes some pepper strips and stuff and like it was off the shelf and i've realized that I don't know where my parents got it because the like I maybe the grocery store just chain just stopped carrying it mm-hmm. or they only sold it in like the two towns that uh around me <laughs> but like I can't find it anymore oh, no. and I'm like what but would do that I mean I, uh wh- where do we where do we categorize olives mm. cuz cuz we would also do olives it was like pickles and olives were were the backbones of of several things yeah well this is this is a question for sure they are basically pickles but like yeah. it doesn't really feel right to to put them in with pickles mm-hmm. at the same time well, we would yeah I, yeah we would we would treat them the same at least on the mm-hmm. on the table like we would have the sweet pickle mix like baby gherkins and then we would have just black olives right um and then also the like kids thing to make for holiday meals were were celery stuffed with cream cheese mm. with slices of uh green olives green like pimento olives oh okay um, on top that sounds um, good yeah those are great love those <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I, so i'm thinking about it and like i don't think anyway that we can really eat olives before they've been like brined and cured you know mm-hmm. So I think in that sense, like they, the olives we eat are like always, always cured, always brined. Like they're, they're, they're a pickled thing, 
but it would be misleading to say these are pickled olives unless yeah. they were like because i feel like they would have to be like vinegar pickled in that case and they're usually not right like usually the olives we get are are salt cured salt brined mm-hmm. like and then yeah. just float in oil yeah. <laughs> which is which yeah is different like it, if, if you did that to a cucumber i don't know if i would call it a pickle yeah no i don't probably not yeah but they i think they i think it's fair to say that they operate in a similar space a lot yeah a lot of the time but yeah yeah i don't they're not they're not necessarily pickles it's interesting because i i think the big thing for me about pickles is the relationship between acid and salt and fat uh, mm-hmm. And apologies to Heat for not being part of this conversation, but <laughs> <laughs> acid like acid acts like salt in that it brings out extra flavor in things, right? But it also acts as almost a foil or a counter to fat by like cutting through the like texture and the like heaviness of the fat a little bit and like brightening it up. And so I think when I think about olives, I think of them as fatty mm-hmm. and salty. But when I think of pickles, I think of them as acidic and salty. Yeah. And I think that's that's where the the, the difference lies for me between like a, an olive and a pickle. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think that's also why I like having them both on the table. Yeah, because they <laughs> just give you a little bit, yeah, a little bit of pop in either direction, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's like I if I think about like, you know, where I like the flavor of pickled things, it is most often in a situation where there's also like like a heavy fat happening right uh mm-hmm. like i i used to when i was a kid i used to be able to just like snack on a bowl of pickles but now i find that too much uh unless mm-hmm. i also have some cheese with it mm-hmm. you know you get a little cheese on the side all of a sudden all of a sudden it's a perfect snack mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it doesn't go the other way like i can also i can just eat cheese and not feel like i need yeah. a pickled element i don't know i <laughs> we uh me and my partner have been known to basically between the two of us go through a jar of pickles mm. in pretty much one sitting. Sure. But um, yeah, usually, especially if we have like a Triscuit or a, like a little something to like cut between the, like the constant barrage. Um, it's really nice. Plus that way I don't get as much heartburn. Um, that's the, yeah. <laughs> that's the other yeah. thing that I have to do the, <laughs> the math on. That is the kicker there for sure is the the heartburn factor of acidic stuff. I'm really curious, how does being vegan play into it for you with with the pickles? Like has your relationship to pickled stuff changed since you stopped doing animal stuff? One thing I'll say is that there was like a diner or something near me that always used to have pickled eggs and I never actually got one and I feel mm. like I should have done that because uh, now I I I think that would be pretty bad but generally generally it hasn't um gotten in the way of of me eating pickles or or a lot of the the pickled things that i would normally reach for Mm -hmm. um uh i think the exception being kimchi though there are plenty of places that have a no fish um no fish sauce version of the Mm -hmm. kimchi right and then the other thing i'd say is that just because i'm checking labels more often Mm -hmm. i've I feel like I've gotten a better sense of what most pickles are, what's in most pickles that mm. I would buy off the shelf. Okay. And been able to kind of investigate as I eat them, like what those, what, what those elements are bringing as far as flavors and things like that. Okay. Um, yeah. So it, that, that has been, 
I mean, I think that has just been the the biggest boon of being <laughs> vegan is just like reading labels and going, oh, I didn't realize this was in here, huh? Let me eat that. And, oh, I, oh, okay, I see where that comes into play, um, and stuff like that. So, sure, yeah, it hasn't it hasn't stopped me. Like, I still will will do like dilly beans, which are just dill pickled uh, string beans. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful things. Sure. Um, there, there's a a brand that. I recently picked up a jar of pickles of called boobies mm-hmm. where it has like the cloudy brine. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, and they also <laughs> had a thing on it. It's like, they only use pickles that can look like Moby Dick. Um, like <laughs> it has to look the right way or something sure. like that. Um, uh, it's pretty great. Um, and just, yeah. Finding those like no fish kimchis and, 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 and trying out different things it's it's mm-hmm. it, it's a good way to get to to mix up some things when a lot of some of the time vegan food can sometimes be like all right this is gonna have a lot of nutritional yeast in it um what else um <laughs> i don't know put a pickled thing on the side and it'll be great sure yeah, yeah. so Okay, we're going to slap this conversation in some brine for a couple minutes and hold on to it while we hop over to the mid-roll. And then when we get back, we're going to crunch into a little bit more pickle talk with me and Greg. Hello, welcome to the mid-roll. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of May, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need, so by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of this show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of pickles to people who need it. That's like two jars of pickles. That's a solid amount of pickles. I'd be into that. There's literally no other way to turn zero into pickles, so if that math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. We're still trying to grow our Patreon support to reach $50 a month. That's our goal right now. When we get there, we'll be launching our No Bad Food Recipe Club, where every month we'll post new recipes for you to try out and share with your friends and family. If you aren't already a member of our Patreon, please consider joining up at patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod today. If you're enjoying this pickle talk today and want a little bit more pickle content from us here on No Bad Food, I would highly recommend going back and checking out the episode we recorded with singer-songwriter Sophie Lane back during our 2022 LGBBQ series. Uh, We talked about queerness and barbecue and pickled beans and all kinds of stuff, and you might get a kick out of that. I would also recommend going back and checking out the episode we recorded a couple years ago with Teffer's sister Tamika. back when the show was still called up for discussion, uh, who actually wrote a book about pickles and preserves and all the fun behind that. Tamika is an expert in these things who worked for the ball company for years and years doing canning and preserves and knows what she's talking about. Uh, so it's a really interesting episode. That's uh, 295 in this uh, podcast feed, which is confusing because we just hit 100 last week, but that's what happens when a show changes over on the same feed from one brand to another uh you know (laughs) it's part of our history sometimes things get preserved by changing their form after sitting in a brine for a little while and deciding that they are going to have a new focus and a new title how's that for a a segue All right, before we get back to the show, I'm going to tell you about some new friends we just made this week who have a podcast I think you will get a kick out of. Candy is Dandy is the world's only podcast devoted entirely to reviewing candy. So every episode, they pick a different candy, they give its history, and then they taste and review it on air. Did you know that the chocolate bar Snickers was named after a horse? 
Did you know that the Butterfinger has a connection to the atomic bomb? If you like our show and the way that we approach food on a weekly basis, I think you will like these guys who are doing something very similar, but just with candy. I think I think you'll really get a kick out of it. I know I have been. I just recently listened to an episode about the Crunch Bar that had me uh, laughing so hard that I like had to go to the bathroom at one point. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you more because I don't want to spoil it for you. But let's just say one of the hosts does an impression of his high school bully that uh, ruined me a little bit and has ruined the crunch bar for me forever. Uh, so if that sounds like fun to you, go check out Candy is Dandy, the candy review podcast, anywhere fine podcasts are sold. All right, let's get back to my conversation with Greg Schultz. So in looking at the ingredients to stuff, you know, you were saying before we took the break that being a vegan means you spend a lot more time actually looking at ingredient lists. Has there been anything in the pickled stuff that you're eating that has stood out to you as like a surprise boon or as like something that you wouldn't necessarily have associated with pickle or as like the thing that makes a pickle good? Like, has there, has there, have there been any discoveries for you because of that, you know? I can't think of a single thing that it has made me aware of. Uh, what I will say is that that kind of element of recognizing between the different like vinegars mm. has come into play a lot. I mean, like there are certain things where before this, I never really paid much attention to mustard seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just knew that they were float. I just saw that there were things floating <laughs> around in the brine. And sure. I was like, oh, those are mustard. Oh, those are in. Oh, okay. That's what's bringing like like all this stuff sure um like whoa okay cool so they actually do a lot but Mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily that i uh found like a hidden element to it but like i i do think like rice vinegar is really good for for i don't know why anything that tends to be like pickled with rice vinegar i'm like yeah that stuff yeah let's go have i have i told you about the time I made kimchi by any chance? I don't think so. At one point, I decided to try to make kimchi mm-hmm. because I wanted it. And at that point, I hadn't found the non-fish sauce version. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I got some of these like caps that let you do kimchi. You usually do with a it's a ferment fermentation process that involves um, like having we had these uh, ball jar caps that had a gas, a one-way gasket in it, basically. And so we stuffed that jar full with stuff and even had a little bit more on the side that I, I like, half-filled that jar. And if you've ever made, for, like, heavily fermented stuff, you know where I've already messed up because I woke up at, like, four in the morning... Uh, feeling like something had woken me up and then I smelled something and then I walked down the long hallway to the kitchen being like oh god oh god oh god oh god oh god and the because the big jar that I had pa- overpacked oh no the the, <laughs> the jar lid popped off um left, left a dent in the ceiling <laughs> and there was just red like <laughs> kimchi oh, no. goo everywhere it looked like a murder scene it was <laughs> wild um, so um yeah when you're fermenting don't overfill your jars mm-hmm. uh play it safe mm-hmm. um and it's a good way to learn how to get um red out of uh a lot of 
at the place that we were staying where it was like somebody's guest house oh, no. and we had to get a lot of white or a lot of red out of white surfaces oh, uh, and we managed to do it but yeah it was a mess that's so stressful <laughs> but the the small jar that was only like half full delicious it was wonderful but the big <laughs> jar unfortunately <laughs> um i haven't gone back and tried to make something that needs that ferment again because i mm-hmm. feel like those caps weren't that great and i should really just invest in getting some regular ones so i can do kind of a longer ferment sure um because i would love to do kimchi again and maybe what i really need to do is figure out how to get a jarring and canning rig to mm-hmm. do that stuff because i'll do quick pickles regularly sure. i'll do like pick quick pickled like onions and stuff for like uh anything barbecue or um yeah we we have a little um rice bowl that we do with like tofu and a mushroom mix and we'll do a quick pickle with just like rice vinegar and salt on some cucumbers sure. and that's wonderful but getting that jar that has been sitting for a longer period of time and getting it to be able to do it safely. It sounds stressful, but I think once I do that, once I figure that out, it'll unlock like, oh, I can just make a huge batch and then jar it up and then off to the races. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, like with, with fermented stuff, I remember the first time that I was exposed to like a sourdough starter, right? Because I, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with that. That wasn't something my mom ever did. Um, so I think I had a roommate who got into sourdough at one point. Like, no, you know what? It actually might have just been Teffer. And you know, Teffer brought in a sourdough starter in a in a jar, as you do, and mm-hmm. that thing grew overnight in the fridge, and the lid fell off, and there was just <laughs> a, a jar with like dough pouring over the edges of it in the morning, <laughs> and like. I was like, what the fuck? Like, how does this, what is, what? First off, what is this? Second, how did this? Third, why? <laughs> and like, <laughs> it's it's just, it's it's wild to me that like growth can happen that quickly, you know? And mm-hmm. it wasn't until very recently my boss got some like mushroom growing kits and uh, set them up in the mm-hmm. store as like a little thing, like, you know, in a little display case so we can like see mushrooms growing and then sell the harvest. Right. And I got to see this box that started out as like a box that looked like a pile of wood chips slowly. And then very, very suddenly, very rapidly turned into like a large amount of like oyster mushroom. And yeah. you don't realize like how fast shit can grow when it's kind of self propagating is that the word yeah well it's like self-sustaining self yeah yes in fact that is specifically the word of a plant good there we go i was right yeah like you don't you don't realize like just how quickly that kind of process can happen until you've like seen it firsthand but like truly like you know with this mushroom kit it was like we we set it up one day nothing for a week then like on like the eighth day or whatever tiny amount of mushroom has started coming out of this thing and then like the next morning there's like a fucking mushroom the size of my head (laughs) it's like what why how what cool okay (laughs) and like yeah you got to be careful with with anything that that grows or or changes shape on its own you need to make sure that you're using the right tools and the right uh, techniques so that you don't accidentally you know explode it yeah don't want to accidentally explode things it's not great to accidentally explode things yeah sometimes it's it's sometimes it can be it's oftentimes a lot of fun to intentionally explode things though sometimes you get in trouble 
Yeah. Sometimes it's good trouble, but you know, it's fine. Yeah. We're recording this <laughs> on the day of the coronation. <laughs> We recently tried pickling a couple of new things at the restaurant that uh, both blew my mind. One of them is a pickled grape, like green grapes that are pickled. And another oh. is pickled blueberries. Yeah. Yeah. My partner did some pickled blueberries with like different spices. She, she was doing it mostly to figure out for like a garnish for 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 drinks because she sure. was bartending at the time. But we ended up just like putting them on the sides of different things and just because they're yeah it's wild right <laughs> yeah well that's it like uh he my boss just basically was like yeah here's this new sandwich cookbook and in it there are a bunch of like fun little condiment things so i'm gonna mess around with them and he messed around with them and made a couple of pickled fruits and was like maybe put these on a sandwich and these pickled blueberries i swear to god are like i could sit and eat a bowl of these like they are i mean blueberries are already like kind of perfectly sweet and tart so when you pickle them mm -hmm that just gets amplified to like this whole new level where it like pops, you know, it, like both literally like it's, it's like a juicy little pop in your mouth, but also the flavor is just an explosion and it's mm -hmm. like got some onions in there too. And like this beautiful color oh. to the brine. And uh, we've been putting them on our like caprese sandwich with like pesto and mozzarella and Ooh. tomato. And like, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. it, it just adds this like perfect little burst that's like a little floral too because you get that like extra kind of like different fruity flavor of the berry you know it's oh, mm -hmm. it's incredible do you yeah. do you have a like thing that you have had pickled that was like not something you would have thought of before that has become like a, a favorite of yours i mean that that blueberry it was like blueberry with i want to say fresh sage okay or there's definitely so also some ones with like fresh thyme mm. that that just kind of like completely went sideways. Like it just it. You're right. It in the that it brings out just a completely different flavor there. Um, there's definitely been stuff that I've had where I was like pickled what? But it's usually on something like a a um, sandwich topping or whatever, and sure, you yeah. get just like a that like pop of it because usually it's it's in the context of everything else on the sandwich, mm -hmm. it's probably the strongest flavored thing there right so having just like little bits of it around is is can be really great so i can't think of anything other than other than that blueberry right now but like oh man i mean there's just like here's the thing like i'll eat anything pickled sure so i'll see like oh yeah i mean pickled radish pickled uh cucumber pickled like jicama you mean pickama pickama yes precisely Pikmin four when? Um, that's Pikmin. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, yep. yeah, no, I'll. Yeah, it's just, it's wild, and and this is making me go back to like I should have had one of those pickled eggs before, <laughs> <laughs> um, before going vegan. But yeah, it's I. It does make me like that's half the reason why I want to get the canning and like the mm -hmm. fermentation um, lids like properly done at some point mm -hmm. is so that then i can just try stuff yeah like um get some local produce or get some get something and be like what if i pickle this Hell yeah. what's gonna happen <laughs> and get comfortable with it yeah so. absolutely i'd be uh i'd be remiss if i didn't talk about my other recent favorite in terms of pickled things and like you know this isn't a recent favorite that i just discovered like the the blueberries this is one that's been in my life forever but made a resurgence recently and that is jardinera which like 
Mm-hmm. For for anyone who's not familiar, it's it's an Italian vegetable blend that's been pickled, either spicy or not. And like, mm-hmm. oh man, there's nothing like that. There's nothing better than like just a mix of veggies chopped up and pickled and served together. And like we serve it at the restaurant as a side with our sandwiches and like I get to like mess around with the flavor profile of it a little bit between batches. And like right now I've got one that's like I think pretty perfect. Like like it's it's a little spicy. There's some oregano in there. I'm using like a five pepper like a ground five pepper blend thing that we put together. It's like oh, it's really fucking good. And it's so simple. And it adds mm-hmm. such a depth to things and like our sandwiches are not not fatty, right? Like Italian sandwich culture is a lot of pork. It's a lot of it's a lot of stuff on a sandwich, you know. So having that extra little pickled element on the side, it's like a perfect foil for that without necessarily having to put them straight into the sandwich. Going back again to the like the pickles and olives situation of mm-hmm. like jardinier with a muffaletta spread. Sure. Is <laughs> like is wonderful to me <laughs> um, in like a weird way yeah but jardinier is also just like that's the other thing like when i saw the the giant vat of escabeche i mm-hmm. thought it was jardinier and i was like sure. oh that's weird and then i went i was like there's a jalapeno in here huh oh this is great what well hold on <laughs> um but yeah jardinier is where i first had that experience i think my mom even got she used to get um these like pickled cherry peppers and uh, like this tall jar of that and a tall jar of jardinier sure and every once in a while would just like pick at them and I'd be like what are you doing she's like I just need a quick snack and this is spicy enough that it'll make <laughs> me not want to eat anything but the jardinier is also vegetables so it totally counts um, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when my mom wanted a quick snack that was uh, just spicy enough to make her not want to eat anything else she would just have a cigarette so I applaud your mom for <laughs> doing something a little better <laughs> Greg, we are almost at the end of the show, but I wanted to ask you before we go, do you have a like recommendation for people of like a pickle they got to try or something that they got to try putting pickles next to or on or in? I think the thing, if you have been hesitant to do pickles in general, then I think the Jardinier, Escabeche, just any assortment of pickled vegetable mm. and having it on the side is really great. I, I think putting pickled cucumbers into a potato salad mm. is also a strong move um, <laughs> if you want to try it. And I, I think I, I think it brings in a lot, especially if it's like a mayo-based uh, potato salad. If you go light on the mayo and put just little pops of that briny goodness around, um, it can it can really do a lot. I mean, the other thing is like, uh, I, I also think another good starting place is dilly beans mm-hmm. um if you can find them i don't i don't know if they're as common i feel like i saw them everywhere growing up and then i kind of stopped seeing them and i don't know if that was a, a slightly regional thing but sure. um dilly beans just because everyone in maine grows <laughs> it's like there's two things that everyone in maine grows one is green beans the other is zucchini okay so uh, dilly beans and zucchini relish are everywhere <laughs> um, at a certain time of year when everyone ah crap I grew too much um, but um, yeah give those a try and then just and then just keep trying and like we talked about earlier mm-hmm. if it doesn't hit with you wait a while and maybe give it another shot yeah um, there's probably uh, a pickle out there for you 
try a dilly bean and if at first you don't suck beans try try again <laughs> uh-huh that's that's yeah that's what Wait, i was going for no i've got it i've got it try oh, okay. try a new kind of pickle pay attention to the little grains of mustard floating in it and if at first you don't suck seeds try try there again. we go nailed it yeah <laughs> i i'm gonna echo that thing about pickles in a potato salad oof oof i need it i want it good in tuna salad too and egg salad that's true it's true any of those like like salad spreads yeah you got a creamy wet salad put a pickle on it yeah put a pickle on it put a pickle on it greg thanks so much for phoning in for uh talking talking tang with me today on this pickle yeah. episode oh we were talking tang i used to eat that in boy scout camp and we would just add four times the amount of tang that you're supposed to oh you mean oh it's a vinegar yeah, yeah okay have you ever you. pickled a cucumber in tang tell us in the comments well now i want to try that i actually don't That's... think that would be bad honestly i think that could be i honestly don't think it would be terrible i think it could work be a sweeter sweeter ass have you ever it, yeah. pickled a cucumber in high c ecto cooler um do you have anything you want to plug anything you want people to check out before i let you go sure there's um <clears throat> you mentioned ltrt and tofen and uh we've de- we've just des- described the the crime that is uh, full metal bazinga which by the way somebody recently released a 75 minute um video essay about full metal bazinga oh um <laughs> yeah wild so thanks rj for that but the thing i want to plug and this is important i know that it is now uh may uh it's international pickle week and um and i know this might be seem early to do so but the time to start campaigning is right after elections so yeah um i'm here to talk about uh rice and potato for munch madness 2024 okay uh rice rice potato ballot going all the way in 2024 rice up all you people and uh keep your eyes out for potatoes because they're coming greg thank you for everything that you do to uh support this show and to support this country uh to support this union and this um (laughs) commonwealth in which we live the only thing left to say here on this uh pickle week episode of no bad food is uh god save the pickle and Mm -hmm. uh rice potato 2024 thanks be to god (laughs) (laughs) so that brings us to the end of our show for this week thank you so much for listening to no bad food do you want to be part of the conversation hit us up on the socials at no bad food pod and individually at teferbear and at tonsilatni if you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better you can head to patreon.com slash no bad food pod to donate for as little as one dollar a month you'd be joining the ranks of fine folks like gab thomas Anne, erica andrew chantal david mallory sarah nell carol ann and rachel our patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show if that's exciting for you head to patreon.com slash no bad food pod to make it happen remember we are trying to reach our 50 dollars a month goal in support on patreon and when we do we will be launching our recipe club so help us out help us get there we're real close if everybody listening to this donated a dollar we would get there in no time flat so uh consider doing that consider throwing us a buck or a couple buck 
really. If you if you want to throw us more than one buck, I'm not going to stop you. Uh, speaking of throwing us some bucks, if you want to throw us some bucks in a way that gets you some physical merch, you can do that. We have a merch store via our network, The Pod Cavern, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from there, like hats and aprons and mugs and uh, polos, even. I have a Nomad Food polo that I wear to work sometimes. It's great. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Bread and Butter Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Classic Garlic Dill Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. And last but certainly not least, this show was produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Podcavern Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at www.podcavern.com. See you next week. You understand. Just takes a little time, it takes a little time, it takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind, we'll take it slow this time. No Bad Food is a proud member of the Podcavern Network. For more great shows like this one, head to podcavern.com. Arcane Ninja RPG tells a story about ninjas and magic by mixing improv and role-playing. Meet our fledgling ninja and fall for them as they take their graduation exam and stumble upon unknown magic that will send them in an epic adventure. Root for them as the dice dictate just how successfully they face the threatening challenges that lay ahead. Binge on published episodes at the Pot Cavern Network or your podcast station of choice. Tune in every other Tuesday for your bi-weekly fix of Arcane Ninja RPG. Thanks for listening. listening.